Bloodlust and Bourbon Podcast. My name is Steven. My name is Shanley. My name is Troy. What we want to do on this podcast is talk about anything and everything horror, right? So yeah, uh, any interest we have or any interest you guys might have in, uh, in the horror industry and or genre, um, we want to eventually cover. Um, and how it work is every episode, one of us will mandate a topic. So today I will be mandating a topic, um, and that topic is John Carpenter's original Halloween, 1978. So we want to tell you a little bit about us. My name is Steven. Uh, My name is Chanley. Oh, sorry. I'm, see, I'm not even drunk, man. Okay, okay, okay. You'll go into your shit, and then I'll go into my shit, and then he'll go into his shit. Here we go. Take three. <laughs> It's fine. Troy, Troy's over here just like, I'll wait. It's fine. <laughs> you're, you're good. Y'all, are, y'all are drunk as shit, high on crack. Um, it's just man, high on day. Yeah. I wish. Right? Like, the, the energy probably yeah. that comes with crack. I, don't I know. know. Crack might help us it do <laughs> So, yeah. My name is Steven. Um, I am a lifelong horror fan. Recently, became a, a even bigger horror fan when I decided to become a horror filmmaker. Um, and I met our co-hosts in different ways. I met Chanley online, never yeah. seen him in person. I don't like it. I know, it makes me sad. Um, and we we instantly became friends. Like, it was like, immediately. Always. Troy is a noob in my friend group. Hey, noob. Yep. The uh, noob. I met him about a month ago. Immediately saw him and was like, hey, you know what? You would do well with the podcast because I could immediately, <laughs> immediately yeah. talk to him about horror and he knew his shit and I could tell. So I was like, oh, damn. Yeah. I was trying out and you didn't know, but. <laughs> uh, Secret audition. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't know it, but I was auditioning him right there. Oh, <laughs> uh, So, yeah, my interest in horror comes from. It comes back pretty far. I remember when I was a kid, like uh, my mother would show me movies like uh, Frailty. She's really into thrillers, like Frailty, and uh, I watched Pet Cemetery at a very young age, and The Shining, and I remember just being not really terrified, but just like a thrill came out of it with me. Right, so I would get awesome. a huge thrill. Um, so that's kind of where it came from, and then. Uh, later on in life, I got into Rocky Horror. I was in the Rocky Horror cast, and through that, I got like super into horror and filmmaking. Uh, so that's where that came from. 
And I would say at this point, my top five current horror movies. Oh, so hard. (laughs) (laughs) Why even? Uh, Why is this a thing? uh, I mean, in the top is always Sinister. Um, I absolutely love Sinister. Um, Halloween, obviously. Uh, I have a tattoo of Halloween, so it's, it's there. Um, and let's see, God is hard. If you count it, the silence of the lambs is always a top one for me. Like if you, yeah. God, it's a big fight over whether it is or not. Right. Yeah. I know there's, I would consider it still leaning more towards the side. There's so many horrific things. That's not that we take up the whole episode debating what makes something a horror movie, I guess. But I honestly, mm-hmm feel like it, it delves into that territory a lot yeah um so yeah there's it's it's it horrified me the first time i watched it right i remember my mother telling me like oh this is the sons of the lambs you can't you can't watch this and my mother was pretty liberal with what i watched um, right mm-hmm. i watched you know the movie goodfellas when i was like i don't know 10 9 like <laughs> so she wouldn't let me watch that um but when I did watch it, I fell in love with it all the way until, once again, got a tattoo. There you go. Um, let's see, that's three, right? Three? Yeah. Uh, yeah, in there. <laughs> um, God. Let me see. Uh, just because, honestly, man, uh, it's also a rough one because it's split. I love Rob Zombie movies for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, so House of a Thousand Corpses is probably up there. Um, and then, geez, I don't know. The last one really just like revolves around whatever I'm really into. I'm going to do with Jordan Peele's Get Out for it. Just because yes. that one Thank blew God. away the moment I saw it. Like, and once again, it's also divisive. Like modern horror is really divisive. And, uh, I'm generally a proponent for it, uh, whether yeah. it be, you know, 824 or Blumhouse or, or whatever. So yeah, Love that's it. mine. Yeah. There's, there we could do a whole thing on, on, um, new, like new horror because I, I'm a, I, I, I stand new horror too, because even if, if you, even if you take movies, you don't like, you could argue that those movies, like the what, like for instance, um, that one that just came out, uh, Countdown, looked like absolute utter fucking garbage. Like it looked like the worst knockoff of um, a Final Destination. And uh, from what I hear, it just it just looks like something I'm, I'll never be interested in watching. I just have no no actual interest in watching. The thing is, I don't know if, uh, how it did in the box office, but I, I like I'll talk shit about movies like that. But then those are the movies that will be that will have good box office ratings and that'll keep horror alive it tells studios oh horror can be profitable i mean it does with movies i like too like halloween 2018 but like something like the conjure like it's i'm really i'm just like ghosts like like ghost paranormal haunting i have a lot of favorite ones but like for the most part like your pg-13 like a haunting in connecticut i just i i'm not super interested but like, regardless of that, it's just like the thing I can you can look forward at it is 
those movies are keeping horror movies alive in the movie theaters when, you know, everyone still wants to debate what, well, you know, horror doesn't make any money. It, it does. Yeah. Uh, and actually, even so, you know, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. With the, with the pandemic going on, uh, horror is some of the highest box office ratings right now. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, just because like, yeah. it's really friendly to drive in movies. Uh, oh, 100%. So uh, I think it, what was it? It's either you should have left, or uh, the wretched did really well. What are the, the wretched? Uh, it's actually I saw that one at the drive-in. Is it good? Did you like it? Um, I can say I was there. <laughs> I was present in the moment. <laughs> I, was present in the moment. <laughs> I was more focused on my popcorn and trying to get the radio to work, but it had a storyline. Yeah, I recently saw. <laughs> okay, it had a storyline. Had a plot. <laughs> Review by Chanley. It had a storyline. <laughs> it had a plot. There we go. Getting uh, So, I saw. I went to the drive-in recently, and I saw Halloween 2018 and Scream together. Oh, Scream! God bless you. You just watched Scream tonight. I did too. I watched I it on TV. <laughs> I watched it. It's good. Watched it the other day. I watched it on TV, though, man. It was the edited version just because uh, Drew Barrymore was hosting it. I um, I love horror movies on TV, even if they're cut, because it's like, I love AMC Fear Fest. Like, well, they're the cut movies. Well, yeah, you can have them on, like, in the background. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And do other things. It's great. Yeah. All right. I got through mine. Okay. It's your turn, Chandler. So here's the deal, yo. The thing that started me on horror, I've always had a knack for like creepy things, you know, ever since I was younger, I've been, I've been that person, certified freak, seven days a week, horror all the time, just Let that. Let's see. <laughs> Make that horror game weak. No, um, <laughs> no, but I was like obsessed with it ever since I was younger and then my stepdad was babysitting me one time. And he was like, okay, here's the sitch. You can watch Underworld or Final Destination 2. Only options. And I was like, oh, um, I'm going to go with Final Destination 2. And from that moment on, I have loved anything pertaining to scary and spooky and creepy. Well, and Final so, I loved it so much. And then yeah, when he... When he was just like, all right, so do you want to watch Underworld now? When the movie was over, I was like, can I watch it again? <laughs> and I was like, okay, fine. And then it evolved into like me at like nine years old watching The Exorcist. And then my mom was like, don't call me when you're scared about it. And then I called her right after I watched it. And she was like, are you scared? What happened? What's wrong? And I was like, actually, here's the deal. I would have shot it so differently because I can tell. I can tell that all of this was just, it wasn't, it wasn't real. It didn't scare me. I could have made it scarier and I was nine. And then here we go. Me, film school, 2014, 2018. Or all the way. Chanley, like being the next Wes Craven, fucking nine. I didn't. Shooting another movie. (laughs) See, with The Exorcist, though, I'd like the stuff I loved about it. Like, I didn't actually appreciate it until I saw it in the theaters last year when Mm -hmm. it was in the movie tavern. Because I've seen it on tape a bunch when I was younger, okay. never scared me because I don't like I'm a, I'm a pretty staunch atheist, so demons and things don't really scare me that much. But I I watched it again after being like 
you know, understanding how movies work. I love the yeah. stuff with the priest, and I love the the um, the way the mother was losing her mind. It gave me, you know, hereditary mm-hmm. vibes. Um, yeah. All the, although, you know, obviously, I you know, with it being before hereditary, but I love the stuff with the priest struggling and the mother struggling, and mm-hmm. all of the stuff leading up to the actual exercise. I mean, really awesome practical special effects at the time uh, Stan oh, Winston no you know it. God but all the stuff prior to that is just I, I was blown away I just like mm-hmm. I never was blown away for, from that movie until I saw it in the movie theater and I was just completely mm-hmm. mesmerized by all of it like, like watching it now as a, like a 24 year old I'm like okay this is dope and I see how they did it and I appreciate everything about it but like me as a nine-year-old going um, that didn't scare me. Bring something else on. And I'm just like, well, this is going to start everything crazy in my life. And it did. And it's been an obsession since. <laughs> so literally give me any movie and I will watch it no matter how freaky it's deemed to be. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. Um, there's one movie I can't watch and it is Sinister. Surprising. You right. can't watch it. I can't watch Sinister. I've watched it like twice, and then I had a dream that I was being possessed by Bagul, and I freaked out. <laughs> so my my partner, I was like, Anna, oh. she is also just terrified of Bagul. And while I don't can't say I understand because I don't, I've never really had a horror movie really freak me out. I will tell you what freaks me out actually here in a minute. Um, the soundtrack to Sinister gives me chills i feel like, you on that yeah so it yeah it, it it's a scary movie uh and i can understand why somebody might be scared of the ghoul and that's like um, the only one that gets me i can literally watch anything else but if sinister comes on it's like me with the monster mash nobody play monster mash around me because i'm like hashtag triggered because of stuff in elementary school like every every time i hear it i'll just start panicking it's just a weird oh, childhood trauma thing <laughs> that happened that in elementary school. Explanation for another time, but I am curious. Oh, yeah. Oh, I got Absolutely. you. No worries. But I think as of right now, stay on track. Um, my top <laughs> five. My top five circulate quite a bit, but as of the moment, it's um, Flanagan's Hush, and then Midsummer, and then Scream, The Beauty. Um, then get out, and then this new one that's on Shutter called Bliss. It's <sighs> wild, like it's so psychedelic. It even has a warning at the beginning, um, about like if you have epileptic seizures, do not watch this because the lights and flashing are everywhere. It's it's a trip. It is honestly a trip, and I have this thing where, like, I fall asleep sometimes, like if I'm on my wife's chest or anything, and I'm just like, I'm out. And then I come back and then I see a bit of that movie playing and then one of like the climactic parts happen and I'm like, what? What did I miss? Oh my God, this is beautiful. The visuals. And it's just, it's so cool. And I was really confused and I was like kind of in like a weird tired state and I was half asleep and I was like, bro, this is one of my new favorite things. (laughs) And so just like, mm, like those top five usually go along like for me. Story-wise, visually, 
and if I know that I could have it playing in the background and I can sleep to it because I love it so much. That's the deal. Wow. So that's me. Someone else, please go. Okay. Um, all right. So my, I have a, I have a, I have a solid set top five of like all time that will it's over the past few months. It's not changed. These are just, I have top fives of, of different things. Like you can say, Oh, top five favorite uh, Friday. the th- Well, like order your favorite Friday, the 13th sequels or mm-hmm. your top five favorite movies of this decade or this year or something. But my, of all time, um, mine would be one Halloween two poltergeist because it's like my comfy horror movie and people think that's really weird but like it i mean it was directed by toby hooper but um steven spielberg produced it and it has such a spielbergian vibe you have a loving family and there's just so much love in the family that they want to rescue each other and you know Mm -hmm. you're so used to seeing like families just in just hate each other and you know mom and dad hate each other and broken families and stuff. And it's really nice to see like pure love amongst the family and they all, everyone loves each other. You know, the, the parents are, they're, you know, smoking a, a joint of like what seems like really old weed and their kid comes in the room and they put it down. They're like, well, let's, you know, just, I don't know. They're, they're all nice. And it's just a really comfy horror movie. I love how fun it is. And it's still really spooky. Uh, Poltergeist is my two creep show is three. Um, and that's, I remember in, in Walmart in the bargain bin, my dad picked it up. My dad was actually pretty uh, liberal with me for horror movies. I grew mm-hmm. up a lot with my grandparents and, um, they weren't, they're very, they brought, they took me to church and stuff a lot growing up. Um, so they were very not about it, but my dad on the other hand was really cool. And, um, I remember he introduced me to creep show as he was excited because it was one of his favorites and it's become one of mine. Uh, four is the the original Wicker Man, which I feel like mm-hmm. is like the granddaddy of all um, atmospheric in the middle of the day slow burn horrors. I mean, you have a, other ones, but for me, like if you like Midsummer, mm-hmm. I I remember the, you know Ari Aster was talking about his uh, his um, uh, his inspirations for Midsummer. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, he didn't mention Wicker Man. But if you watch Wicker Man, it's just like this dude almost remade Wicker Man. I love Midsummer, yeah. but like the Wicker Man is just Christopher Lee says it's his best work he's ever done. Like that's straight up the best work he has ever done. All right, yeah. So uh, Wicker Man is my uh, fourth, and then my fifth favorite horror movie of all time is Scream. This is it's how meta it is. Yeah. Uh, how much of a genius? I mean, I'm not. I mean, a lot can be said about. Oh, excuse me, Wes Craven and his and everything he's done. I, there's some movies of his he's done that I'm, I wasn't a fan of, but like a New Nightmare has always been one of my favorite Nightmare on Elm Street movies because it has such a Scream vibe for how meta it also is. Recognizing itself and Scream is just just the sheer audacity of knowing your genre within your genre. And the the sheer you know pa- essentially parodying of your of your genre it's just mind blowing it's mind blowing it it you know relaunched horror movies again and re reignited a love for for slasher movies at that point you got you know Valentine and I know what you did last summer and uh, Urban Legend stuff like that um, no but uh, kind of going back to stuff like that though my you know 
where I learned to like horror. I, I don't know exactly where it started, but my best memories are, I don't know if you all remember when Kroger used to have video rental sections. Oh yeah. uh, Yes. Kroger used to have, they used to rent tapes from Kroger. And whenever my grandparents or parents got done checking out of Kroger, I would mosey on over into the tape rental section and I would just gawk at the box art for like all the Friday the 13th covers, Halloween covers, uh, Puppet Master of all things. Uh, April Fool's Day was another one I was – so it was, all, it was always like the stuff from the 70s, mostly 80s, uh, sometimes 90s uh, stuff that I would gawk at. Rumpelstiltskin was one, the Ghoulies movies. Um, but one of my first exposures, I was about – I'd say 10 I'd, I'd wager about 10 years old. Uh, my dad took me to Blockbuster and he let me pick out a couple tapes. And the ones I picked out were um, uh, Friday the 13th, the first one in Child's Play. Um, even though Halloween is my favorite horror movie of all time, I Friday the 13th, I like it. I like this, that franchise more. Um, but I saw those. And then my other big... Uh, Expo- tape exposure was I, I got evil dead. I was able to rent it. Um, and I didn't rewind it before I guess, I guess I didn't realize it, but I didn't rewind it. I popped it in and it just started where the blood is coming out of the wall sockets, ashes downstairs, the light bulb starts filling up with the blood and eventually that pipe burst and blood spills all over them. And I had no idea any of this was going to happen. And I was just like, you know, I was enamored. I was like, oh my fucking God. And I remember for like a month, I was just begging people to watch this movie. Like I had just discovered a hidden gem that no one had ever seen before. And it was just this, the most amazing thing. And since then, I, uh, I don't know. I grew up having this obsession with uh, Michael Myers. I remember not being able to watch Halloween, like the, the sequels. I had no way to watch them. One of my cousins that lived in in Casey County, who could give a shit less probably about horror movies, told me he had seen Halloween 4, and I demanded that he tell me the fucking plot from start to finish. And he was – I think he was probably just annoyed to death with me, but I was just so – I was – I would just – I needed to know what was happening in this movie. Um, But, yeah, so those are my movies, kind of my my, – start to stuff um so another thing that we're going to be doing on this podcast is drinking huh? yeah baby um so let's talk about what we are currently drinking i am drinking woodford reserve bourbon with one giant block of ice that's it one hunger of ice yep it's the only way to drink bourbon in my opinion whiskey sours are fine whatever Drink your bourbon straight with one block of ice. It'll taste better. Maybe a little yeah. bit gay. It's fine. And uh, Woodford, if you would like to sponsor us, that's fine. That was my like chill <laughs> proposal there for you to. Uh, Just, uh, you know. <laughs> God, now we're sh- now we're shilling for bourbon companies. Um, I'm all about it. <laughs> it's sponsored. Um, yeah. So uh, we're talking about what are we are drinking. I'm not drinking anything. I was drinking Old Forester 100 proof when we did this the last time. But I was drinking Old Forester 100 proof. Add it with Coke. Um, I generally save really nice bourbons, whiskeys, neat or with ice. Um, but if it's like something like Jim or like you know, a $20 bottle or something, I don't mind to you know mix it with Coke. 
mm-hmm. for a lesser lesser uh, quality bourbon. You almost need to cut Old Forester hundred proof, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's hundred proof. Yeah, you kind of need to cut that motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. So like, <laughs> I understand cutting Old Forester hundred proof. I understand cutting things like you know, one fifty one. Uh, oh yeah, uh, I, I yeah. Took, I took a shot at 151 one time, and uh, yeah, it's almost as bad as the time I actually took a shot at Everclear. But you know what's going to be my Halloween punch drink? Oh, no. It's going to have vodka, tequila, white rum, coconut rum, 99 apples. I don't know if you all have the 99 fruit <laughs> drinks. It's a 99 proof a fruit liqueur. It'll have. Um, uh, peach schnapps, strawberry wine, and then Everclear. And I'm talking a bottle of each of those that I just mentioned, of all of those. Then I'll have green um, uh, Hawaiian punch, fruit, uh, lime juice, um, blue raspberry Kool-Aid packets, and then a bit of dry ice to make it real spooky. I'm just going to go ahead and say, I'm pretty sure Jim Jones's uh, flavor aid was less potent than that. <laughs> I was just talking about Jim Jones. I love the Jonestown massacre shit. I love all that stuff. I don't know if I would call it loving, but Are you yeah, to- I'm, I'm fascinated by true crime. So, Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a big loss of life there. Whew. Well, uh, it might be less potent or more potent than that. I feel on that. I think for me, right now, as per usual, lemon water, because I am yeah. rich. Chainley's going to outlive all of us. <laughs> Just immortal like that. So what have we watched recently? Yeah. Oh, God. I made a lot of bad decisions in the <laughs> watches. So, so, uh, so, quite a long I'll, time. I'll start for us. Um, okay. First of all, I watched the first episode of the volume two of Unsolved Mysteries because Ooh, you have nice. to. Um, and then, but the, the big thing that I watched, uh, my partner and I have been watching is uh, The Haunting of Bly Manor. There we go. Uh, we finished it today. I made sure to binge the last three episodes. Yes. Okay. Um, it's, it's hard to explain. It's some of the visuals of that literally gave me goosebumps. Like mm-hmm. there's a character in it that has like, what looks like moon eyes in the very like first few episodes. And it, you find out what they are later on, but seeing that person just like things don't scare me in horror movies, but that person just spooked me and the way it mm-hmm. moved. And, and that's a theme with this series that is starting. Um, there was a person in the haunting of Hill house called, I don't know what he was called, but it's, I call him the bowler hat guy. Like, Oh yeah. That's yeah basically like a bowler hat and a cane and he floated yeah, and he cane moved that. like he walked and it scared the crap out of me for some reason. I did not like it. I loved it, but I did not like it. Uh, besides that, I'm still watching what we do in the shadows. Um, I've actually just finished it. And I'm just watching episodes I like now just because it's so funny. Um, The way that they go, they go and they go to a Super Bowl party, but they think it's called Superb Owl instead of Super Bowl. So they think they're going to go like worship an owl, (laughs) which frankly, my opinion, sounds way more entertaining than a Super Bowl. I agree. 
but you know, it's just hilarious. It's just mundane shit that you know vampires are doing. Um, but watch that. I watched Scanners recently, and I got the Criterion Blu-ray. Oh, nice! Yeah, Scanners is great. Scanners is great. Yeah, uh, you know, you know what? I I just I love Cronenberg movies. Um, I even love the ones that I don't feel like. Oh I'm yeah, that often like Dead Zone. Um, yeah, but. Scanners is always a classic to go to. Um, and I got that Blu-ray with Criterion because they had a 50% off deal. No, I didn't have any money for it. I was mad. So close. Uh, I got Scanners and I got the original German Funny Games. Ooh, I love it. Yep. Funny Games is great. What about you all? What have you watched? Um, I think, well, with me, I binged Bly. Course. Loved it. And super Victoria fan. Pedretti is just chef's kiss in the light of the world now. Um, her talent should be shared with the world, and I'm very proud of her. Um, along with Bly, I just loved just one of the lines that really got me, and that was I think at the very last episode, in like the narrator is talking about everything, and the person asks her and says, I thought you said this was a ghost story. And she said, no, it's a love story. And I was like, oh, my heart. Wow, this is beautiful. Because Flanagan has this thing. I could do like a whole episode about Flanagan. I love death. He does. He has a common theme of family, love, mental illness, loss, grief, and all of that. And just like the process that he puts into all of his stuff with it. It's insane. But um, along with Bly, I've been kind of binging the Purge series for some weird reason. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, just, like, the series series, like, the TV show of The Purge. Oh, how is it? It's all right, actually. It's, I mean, it's, it's something. It's got a plot. Um, <laughs> and so it's cool to watch just, like, in passing. I'm like, okay, this is nice. This is fun. I like to see people do this. Um, then I've watched a lot of stuff on Shudder, like all of like the Shudder originals, like host all the way over Zoom. And the cool thing about that one is like a lot of their stuff was like practical effects because they shot it all over Zoom. Right. So all of the stuff was practical. They had to do their own, own lighting. They had to just do everything on their own. And I was like, okay, facts. That's awesome. And then, um, Let's see. Then there was one called The Cleansing Hour, which was well, I've back there going crazy because she absolutely loved that one. Um, it's in her top five now. Um, and then Bliss. We watched Bliss the other night, which is on Shutter too. And it was, man, that was next level, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, other than that, um, that's kind of a caught up on there type thing aside from the usual rotation of scream and get out <laughs> cool cool what about you man um, all right so uh, i binge watched um a few movies on uh netflix the other night there was a few that i, I uh, wanted to catch that i hadn't watched um i finally watched the perfection which came out last year, the year before, um, and I I really liked the perfection. I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. Fantastic. Um, yeah, I thought it was. I saw the trailer. I wasn't sure what to expect, but I loved how 
Um, they, you know, went to a part that it rewound and kind of like filled you in. And I thought that was real fun. Um, I, I had a great time with that movie. I watched the Kevin Bacon movie on Netflix, uh, The Darkness, and I, I thought it was the dumbest fucking shit I'd ever seen in my life. I thought The Darkness was garbage. I thought it was just, I don't know, it was just so stupid. Like, they, there's a bit where they're, um, where they are uh, doing, they somehow did some sort of research on uh, uh, on the area that they went camping in, and like, not only did said, not only did said, like, uh, it was like an informational video, kind of like an educational thing, like this is the area where blah 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 tribe existed, and they believed in these specific spirits that manifest manifested in these specific animals and then not only that but then they were like well did you know that if you do this 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 and this it'll cause the spirits to go i'm like is this motherfucker telling them what was there how the shit happened and how to fix it all in one educational video that just just happened to find from a google search and then they were like googling autism can make you more of a sponge to the supernatural and i'm sitting here like what kind of research was done on that, that people who have autism are more paranormally uh, spongy or whatever they said? I'm like, I don't think that there's any real real uh, evidence to base that on. Um, I watched mm-hmm. that, and I, I watched Eli finally. I liked it up until the end, and then I was busting out laughing at the end of that fucking movie because I loved it all the way. I don't know if you uh-huh. all have seen Eli and I watched yeah, I all you. the way up until the end. I was like, okay, this is cool. I thought I, what I would have loved is I would have loved Steven. Have you seen it? You've seen what? Eli. I don't remember. I, don't, I doubt it. It's, a, it's on Netflix. I, I want to talk about the ending. Um, I, I'm a spoiler guy. Like I don't care. Go for it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, the whole the whole movie base is based around this kid who has like a like an autoimmune disease like he it's like bubble boy like if he touches the air he'll die um in this case he has an extreme allergic reaction it shows that when he's exposed to the air he's, his skin starts looking like it's burning and he's taken to this very remote like resident evil-esque mansion that's a hospital that specializes for people with those disorders and he gets a treatment that well the, the by the way inside there's something real fucky going on in the place real spooky there's a couple of ghost people showing up in mirrors and reflections and shit and he does a treatment which seems like it's it's fucking hurting him real bad it seems like it's fucking him up and then the second treatment they did three treatments second treatment almost kills him and then he's like oh god they're trying to kill me and it seems like the whole time the dad you it alludes to maybe the dad took him there because he's the kids become so much of a burden and that would have been real poignant to be like well we're going to be you know i'm took him here to get essentially euthanized with the guise of recovery you know and the kid doesn't know which is kind of fucked up because you're like just basically killing your kid but then you fucking find out the kid is like the, the the mom prayed to satan and she had the baby and essentially this entire time the kid is the antichrist and they were essentially trying to do like tannis root injections and fucking holy water bullshit the whole time. And they don't complete the third treatment and don't kill him. And then he turns into like a red demon child and starts like, you know, Jean Grey, you know, 
carry carrying you know these these nun doctors and lighting them on fire and he turns to this like mild kid that like instantaneously being like I am your master like sort of vibes I'm sitting here like this is the I was laughing so fucking hard I'm like it went from straight to this kind of interesting ghost story to this like hilarious god damn it it's just this this really fucking stupid uh dev like the stupid satan's child like ending and i was just like i i'm so mad at this somehow movie. this movie sounds worse than the actual catholic church there we go i mean it's up like, there yeah but that's kind of my uh, what I'm trying to think, I binge watched something else, and I don't remember. I've been watching a lot of Star Trek recently. Um, but um, show I, I watched. I, I finally got a chance to watch Three from Hell, which I that's the first Rob Zombie movie I've seen in a while that I, I really enjoy. They showed Haunt recently, but I compare Haunt to Thirty One sort of, and I I actually like Haunt a little bit better. Um, but I saw Three from Hell, and I. I did enjoy the only thing that I didn't enjoy. I don't know if Cherry Moon Zombie kind of got on my nerves in the, in the movie a little bit, but I like the half brother and I like Otis as, as per usual. I love their little foray into Mexico. I thought that was really, really fun, really fun stuff. But I'm a super fan of the Firefly family, right? Yeah. Like, um, there's just things I would have done so different in Three from Hell if I were making it. And of course, I'm not Rob Zombie, so I don't claim to presume. But uh, it, it, the, the, the first 15 minutes felt, 15 to 20 minutes felt like it was nothing but exposition. Um, trying yeah. to explain the ending of The Devil's Rejects. Oh. Yes, I totally, yeah, I get exactly what you mean yeah, about that. that. 100%. I was really, I was wanting, I was wondering when all the fucking, like, prison stuff was going to stop. I was, I didn't really care. I get they had to, like, kind of, you know, end things with Captain Spalding because of Sid Haig being hospitalized in real life and dying. And I understand that. It's really, it's really sad. But I was honestly wanting the 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 prison stuff to be a lot shorter than it was. I was more interested in them and their hijinks. And I, I did like whenever he they eventually like went into the house. I, and I don't get me wrong, I like baby. Like I, I like baby and Devil's Rejects and House of Thousand Corpses. I just really I don't know. She I just got annoyed by her a bunch of this like there were times in the movie I got annoyed by her. Baby, like when in the in the prison stuff was where I was kind baby of really annoyed. Didn't feel like baby in it, right? Like um, even, even Rob Zombie put it in the movie, right? He says that like, you know, he has like lyrics or lyrics, Jesus Christ, um, dialogue, dialogue in it where he talks to like Otis talks about like, no, this is not baby. This is not who, you know, who she was and all this stuff. Right. Like, you remember that. Um, so baby to me felt supremely messed up as a character yeah um but what i would personally like what i wish he would have done with it is brought in back in dr satan right like Mm -hmm. um the ending of the devil's rejects there if you haven't seen the devil's rejects yet just just turn this off and go watch it first of all do it (laughs) like before you even come back to this because i'm about to just ruin the entire ending um 
so the end of the devil's rejects right like they're facing off the cops and they all get shot and a big thing that rob zombie does when people are dying is he has a sound of their heartbeat mm-hmm. and you hear their heartbeats in the end there they're dead yeah it's, it's final they're dead um and rob zombie famously did not want to make three from hell people people basically bitched him into doing it um but I wish he would have brought Dr. Satan now because Dr. Satan could have revived him. And I think that would have been far more interesting and far more like, Oh, I agree. Far faster, even like just like having them to be drug off or rescued by Dr. Satan and brought back to life. And then we could have had the whole Mexico escapade. Cause like the Mexico escapade felt like a Western horror thing. Right. Like, and it's really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Um, and that's when it started to feel more like a Rob zombie movie to me. And now let us move on tonight to our mandated topic, right? Um, it is John Carpenter's Halloween 1978. Halloween night. A small American town. 15 years ago. trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. I think he'll come back. Exploring uncharted territory. And totally charted. Just talk. <laughs> sure, sure. The only reason she babysits is to have a So, what do we think of the Halloween franchise? We all watched it. 
Oh God! Yeah. The Halloween franchise is one of the greatest things that's ever happened. Um, mm-hmm. You know it. It's interesting because, like, as the franchise goes on, the less I actually like it. <laughs> like, uh, it's my favorite slasher franchise in the early days of it. Like Halloween, right. Halloween two, Halloween three, mm-hmm. four. You know. Sure. Uh, but when it gets to five and six, I I really just wish that they would have went with the Jamie Lloyd, like mm-hmm. being the killer thing, like they did at the end of four. And it, yeah, for sure. Exactly, I agree. I um, I like a, like uh, you know, like I've said a lot. I I hate five. I I hate it just because I mean, just a million reasons. There's a million reasons, but like, you know. They, they didn't. I, I'm pretty sure they didn't finish the script when they fi- when they started filming it. Um, if I'm not mistaken, um, and then they just kind of like eyeballed the movie. I, I guess if if that's a thing to say, they eyeballed the movie. Honestly, but, yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, it's a thing. But like, that's why I don't necessarily hate six though, because. <laughs> Six just tried to, I mean, it could have gone two ways. You could have done a completely, you know, could have done an H2O, but you know, the, the writer, mostly the writer. Cause you know, we were talking earlier, fuck Joe Chappelle. He didn't give a shit. The writer though was like, let me try to salvage this stuff because you know, I can't pronounce his name. The director of five, you know, he, he wrote and directed it. Didn't give a shit. Like he, he said all the, you know, set up all those things like, like Thorn and the man in black and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. did, he, you know, he wasn't going to explain anything. He just left it there for other people to clean up his mess. And it just, exactly. you know, <laughs> that's like, why, you know, Dominique, why did you do this? Yeah. Dominique, Girard, Girard, I don't fucking know how to say it. Girard. It's like Finn and Gerard, I believe. He's, yeah. Yeah. Um, yep, 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 yep. Five. I'm talking about four that. Is Bay. Four is, four is amazing. Yeah. Um, four I is. I just started watching four hours. <laughs> I it's one of those movies, honestly, that like it's there's just a, there's just some movies like I won't get tired of. Some movies I can only watch once a year. Um, four, I feel like, is one of those movies that I could if it comes on, I'm not going to turn it off. It's just it's uh, good to have in the background. It's good to have to watch. Um, just a I think a really solid sequel. What do we think of Halloween 1978? And two sentences or more for each one of you. Uh, number one, or number one, Jesus Christ. Ooh, I've that's had that, alcohol. That's um, going in the podcast. <laughs> uh, it's my top horror movie, like my favorite horror movie of all time. I can't say enough good things about it. It's favorite favorite horror movie of all time. I love it, honestly. Just, that's the biggest thing man if you love it you love it and that's the deal like the anonymity of michael being the shape within the first one just oh man this guy and then of course jamie lee <laughs> oh i see her for um it's it's always you know, the top, my top five horror movies mm-hmm. change, you know, as I go, but it's always in the top five, no matter what. It's always in my top five horror movies to the point where I donated 
a piece of my skin to it and got the original poster symbol tattooed on my forearm. That right there, I got tattooed. I don't blame you. I don't blame you, honestly. Yeah. So it it continues to define everything I want to do in film, um, in the horror genre. It continues to define um, where I want to see the franchise or the slasher genre go. Um, and I just can't get enough of it. I watched it today. Like, I, I can't get enough of a movie that I have seen a million times at this point. I feel that. that. You want to know a fun fact I learned about the fucking poster? You know, it's connection to Black Christmas. I mean, Halloween has a ton of connections to Black Christmas. but mm-hmm. Of course. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Do you know about the, the poster connection to Black Christmas? No, I don't. Okay. Yeah. So the hand holding the knife. It's not an official thing that somebody confirmed, but if you look at it, it looks like okay. You both you've all seen Black Christmas, right? Oh yeah, of course I've seen okay. both versions. Um, mm-hmm. So you know the very famous scene where Billy puts the plastic bag over uh, the oh shit, I'm terrible with names. Uh, the the first the first kill of the movie when he puts a plastic bag over her face. Yeah, the girl they're searching yes. for. Yes. Oh, yes. that that okay. Chandler, can you lift up your shirt for a second so I can kind of point it out? Okay, so between the first two knuckles at the top is supposed to be like the eyes, and and the bottom is supposed to be like a mouth breathing in the bag, like a side view of the head. Do you see it? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, the the knuckles are very defined. Right there. Yeah, Yeah, like right there. It looks like somebody's pulling a bag over the head. Yes, I love it. This is also unconfirmed because I, I think I read something, but no one's in the sources about how John Carpenter talked to Bob Clark and was like, so Bob Clark, if you could do a sequel to Black Christmas, what would you do? And he's like, well, I would have a set in Halloween and be about babysitters. And I'm like, I, I read that somewhere. I'm not sure how tr- I'm, I'm really curious if that's true. That's not unconfirmed. Uh, one of the documentaries I watched, John Carpenter said that. See, that's what I'm saying. I don't know if he's just saying that or not. I know you can't really confirm something like that, no, but like, you know what I mean? I tend to think that John Carpenter, would, especially when he's talking about like his, his making of Halloween, I tend to believe him. Sure, um, of course. You know, like, we'll get into it later how I feel about maybe like John Carpenter versus Rob Zombie, and there's like a huge oh, fight yeah. between the two, like, uh, how I just think it's kind of ridiculous. But like, um, John Carpenter... He didn't. He, he has no reason to lie about no. Batman. Like he 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 wasn't a big filmmaker, and he he took a huge risk with Halloween. Huge oh, risk, definitely. Um. So he's my favorite horror movie director. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's he's my he's he's my favorite horror movie director by far. I, I like him even up into the stuff that most people don't talk about, like The Ward. Um, if you've yeah. seen the. Yeah, I like the yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to be like, like Village of the Damned or something. No, I like the Ward. I thought the Ward was pretty fucking good. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. Um, so it was almost named the Babysitter Murders. Yes. <laughs> um, and Erwin Yablons, right? I'm so glad it wasn't. I'm so <laughs> glad that it wasn't named the Babysitters Murders. The Babysitter Murders. Uh, it, What's it, that about? <laughs> and and it's it's kind of referenced as that in the timeline, like oh, back in '78, the babysitter murders. I'm kind of glad it's that and not the name, because yeah. right. 
you can't really make a franchise out of that name. No. You know, like, like Halloween, Scream, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, it all kind of just, like, mm-hmm. jumps off at you. But the babysitter murders. Like, there's a ton of babysitter movies in horror. <laughs> That's um, what we call it, the Babysitter Murder Club series of books. <laughs> But uh, I'm so glad that uh, Carpenter said that he realized that there wasn't any movie named Halloween. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's like, let's do it. And then they proceeded with a hunt for fake leaves. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Fake leaves. Beautiful. You know, I wonder. Did you you all hear about the uh, the connection with Robert England apparently came out and said he was like, I was I was John Carpenter's roommate and I was. On the set of Halloween, picking up and throwing around leaves—that's that's what he says. Um, so I, that's I, true. I, that'd I, be fucking I know awesome. For a fact that the leaves—I um, want to correct myself—they might not be fake. They might be real leaves, but they were recycled yeah. leaves um, yeah. because the film was shot in spring. Mm-hmm. So if you if you look, you can look at the trees, and a lot of them are already green or they're blossoming, um, but. You have leaves blowing across the road. <laughs> um, and it still looks just with that, just that one addition to the shot, it looks fall to you. I because. Love that. Um, so I've never heard that Robert England. Yeah, this is like the past few months I read something about that. I Again, this is just an – it was some horror publication like Bloody Disgusting or something said mm-hmm. something like that. This is also when they were talking about how – um, the shots that they used in the TV version when they have the extended uh, shots uh, when they go into um, – when they Sorry, go in uh, – Pouring more bourbon. No worries. Um, when uh, when they go in the house – oh, um, you know what I'm talking about? Like those extended shots in the in that version? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, apparently, they draw a lot of different similarities like – the way the house is structured to uh, Nancy's house in Nightmare on Elm Street. So it's possible that, and again, this is just kind of a stretch, but it is, it looks like it's a really good possibility that the house that was used for interiors um, when they went into uh, Linda's house Mm -hmm. and the extended uh, scenes for the TV version are fucking, um, the Nancy's house too. It does side by side comparisons. It's like the same banister on the stairs and the wall and the windows and everything. It's kind of it crazy. It wouldn't surprise me. It was yeah. They're both in what? Film, both were uh, filmed in California. Both like there's a list of houses. If you've been in film school, right. I know you have. Yeah. Been, like, uh, you have a list of places where you can go um, that are film friendly, quote unquote. And uh, I have no doubt that, you know, those houses were probably film friendly and they, they just shot there. You know? Sure. sure. Um, didn't the Michael Myers. I know it, I know where it sits. It sits across the street in real life from the hardware store they shot in the movie. But I feel like at some point somebody said it like turned into a dentist's office at some point or something before they they were planning <laughs> on tearing it down. But then they didn't. 
It, it's not. I know for a fact that it's Airbnb <laughs> right now. Airbnb? Are you fucking serious? I need to go there. Oh my you god! Can sleep I wonder. Michael Myers' house right holy now. Holy shit! I wonder how what the weight on getting in that is. I would pay someone to scare me there. I would. Oh my god! Please do way. it in the time of Rona. We'll have some graying hair by the time you could get in there. Like, oh yeah, I can imagine. Like, and especially with the like the you know the 2018 Halloween and the new the new continuation. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the Halloween franchise is starting to kind of get popular again. Yeah. Yes. Um, I'm really ex- I'm really excited for for kills and then. I don't want to talk too much about the 2018 timeline just because no. like, we have so much to cover. But like, I will go yes. ahead and say. Halloween 2018 is my favorite continuation after the 78 movie. Oh, like, no doubt about it. Yes. No doubt about it. Me too. Totally I agree. I <laughs> Halloween 2 and Halloween 4, but where it, you know, where it kind of <laughs> fell off for me, like 2018 captured what I wanted, what I wanted Lloyd Strode to be, what I wanted, you know, kind of Michael to be like, what I wanted the whole thing. And uh, I'm not convinced that, that uh, they're not related. I think they might retcon that at some point. Mm-hmm. Think so? But uh, right now, I kind of like that they're not related. I like. Oh, the, I mean, yeah, for sure. I like the randomness of it, you know. So yeah, I think it works. It makes both it that much scarier because it's just random. Like yeah, it, it takes away circumstance. It takes yeah. away the whole like he's after one person. It takes mm-hmm. that away, and it makes it scarier in the sense that like he's focused on someone he couldn't kill in 78 like, and now the one back. that got away yeah the one that you know the night he came home the one that got away i'm gonna tell you one thing like and when i say one thing i mean like 80 things about <laughs> the first one and like a few of the iterations after the name drops though of smith's grove russellville and oh yeah all of it because yeah. i'm from bowling green I'm from, I went to Western Kentucky University where John Carpenter went. And so literally everywhere that's there and in like the surrounding areas, anytime there's just like in the first one, just like the mentions of like the hospital or anything. My dad used to work at that hospital that like inspired that hospital. And it was, and I'm like, bro, this is like insane. And they have every single year, I don't know about this year, but they have like a Halloween slash Michael Myers specific asylum haunted house in like like on Hospital Hill. And it's the coolest thing, and he'll like come out and chase you. And I'm like, ah, no, but I love it. Um, Move there. It's so cool, honestly. And it's like right by downtown and everything. And just knowing like the name drops and everything, I just when when I was watching the first one. I hadn't seen it in a hot sec since like 2017. I mean, I randomly watch it occasionally, but ooh, when I just realized again how many name drops there were, just like with all of like either the street names or anything like that, just knowing that I'm calling him JC, like just knowing that JC like a hardcore went there and yeah. he was just like, you know what? I'm diving into like my location and shit. Like, I'm just like, bro, this is what's up. Because my friend Davey, actually, he knows John Carpenter. Really? So, oh, yeah. Um, I worked at a record store in the mall with him. And he was, like, family friends with John. So that was pretty cool. And um, 
Yeah, just knowing that the area that I grew up in is basically the area that inspired the entire thing. Kind of creepy, but also really, really, really hella cool. And I know that I was saying this a few days ago, but like back in 2017 on Halloween night, my wife and I were watching Halloween and, you know, Jamie's blood curdling scream and all that beautiful 10 out of 10. Love it. Would recommend like that night when we were watching it, we got a knock at the door thinking that it's like, oh, no, Jamie Lee's screams too loud. We got to turn it down. Neighbor just knocking on the door to tell us that, yeah, no one was there. Um, excuse me, sir. I'm not a babysitter. Please don't murder me. I'm just gay. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a part of the unkillable gay squad. That'd be awesome. I didn't know for the longest time that Smith's Grove was it was your bowling green. I didn't even know that was a part of Kentucky until somebody pointed it out. Oh, well, that's cool. I know, you know, I know about John Carpenter's roots in Western Kentucky. And I don't know about the, like the Bowling Green Orchestra credit in the movie is just him. Um, so, you know, but like, uh, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, John Carpenter is, is amazing. Um, I mean, aside from him, you know, creating the Halloween theme, I think he said he got his, the, the uh, time signature from his dad. I want to say it's five, four, time um for any of you all musicians out there which is a really weird time signature i've never heard of anything else um it's really cool how he you know he's done a lot tons of work with alan howarth if you look at a lot of his movies that's why he collaborated with and then uh, most famously his son has uh done um work with him with him and um Davies, I don't remember his first name mr davies the, the, they, they do all the synth work together now but yeah i mean john carpenter's a genius yeah, so, like, I mean, going on to about the soundtrack, the soundtrack is probably one of the more famous soundtracks in horror, right? Like, of course, um, it's iconic. In the top three soundtracks for me, like, it's it's number one, and then two is probably It Follows, to be honest with you. Um, and then three is, is Sinister, but Halloween, you recognize it, no matter where it is in the soundtrack. You recognize it, right? Sure. Like whether it's from the beginning and it's just that first beat all the way into the biggest, most suspenseful part of the tune, it, you recognize it. Um, yeah, all parts of it are iconic. I mean, every every bit of it sets the mood for everything like Lori's theme with that bum, 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 bum of the or the bum. It's almost like Jaws, like Donna, and it's him. It's him. Yeah, and it's just him coming after Lori. That like that's that creates so much anxiety from just that. That's such a simple sound. I mean, it, dude, man's a genius. Man is a genius no in many many aspects, but yeah, especially in sound. It's just um, everything that he's done it's with Halloween. Halloween is the most iconic. Of, of all of his movies. I love that, like, The Fog is amazing. Like, that's one of my favorite of his, but, like, you can't beat Halloween. That's always going to be his most it's, iconic sound he's ever made. For the budget it has, 
I don't think any of us could make a film like it. No. Like, no, no doubt. That motherfucker just, credited himself as the Bowling Green Symphony Orchestra. <laughs> so close. Yeah, it's like, he's like, hey, you know, uh, there's not actually an orchestra in my movie. It's just me. Like, I'm in the commentary, just a little smug with himself. He's like, hey, I tricked you guys. It's just me the entire time. <laughs> it's the most John Carpenter thing you could ever do. Like, I mean, this is the guy who, who demanded his name be in the opening title. Like, right oh, of there. Course. John Carpenter's Halloween. Oh. So, like, the fact that he faked an orchestra like, is, is... Why would you not fake an orchestra? Right, like, I, I want to fake an orchestra, right? Like, right. Um, the most haunting part of Halloween's soundtrack to me is Lori's theme. Um, just her walking down, like, a normal, like, fall-looking road... But mm-hmm. hearing that din, 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 with it for some reason just haunts me, right? Like, I, 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 I love Halloween. It's one of my favorite horror movies ever. It's not scary anymore to this, right? Like, we don't, we don't cry under our beds or, no. or, or get No, it's, it's still, I appreciate the, I appreciate the beats it hits with, it's, it's still, it, it invokes, like, I don't, I'm not terrified of it because I've seen it so many times, but I, I appreciate the kind of emotions it invokes with its specific sounds. Yes, but you know I, prom- I, mean? I promise you, if you put on your headphones and you take your fucking, your, your phone or whatever with you, and you take a nice stroll in the middle of the fall night listening to Lori's theme, you'll get spooked. Oh, yeah. No absolutely. doubt about it. I just want to go do that now. Yeah, you, it's it's absolutely wonderful and fun, but you'll get spooked a little. Like, it's, oh, it's, no it's a spooky theme. And it, as much as we all love the intro, right? We, we love the original theme and the intro. It's not the most of the music that we hear. Most of the music we hear is something like done or that that haunting Lori's theme as she's walking and it's just I don't know it just haunts me for some reason I don't know why I, I can't feel that though. because I think for me like the type of music that's in there especially for Lori shows like the vulnerability that she has in the beginning as her character like I don't know if that like really translate I don't know if you really know what I'm talking about there but just kind of like the vibe that that section of her theme gives off it's a, showcases that for her. It's a type of innocence, right? Like exactly, exactly. An innocence that mm-hmm. um, I feel like maybe wasn't as scary then, but now we look at it and go, that innocence is creepy because we associate that sort of innocence with being a final girl, right? Exactly. Like, um, so... I really feel like that. That if you watch it now, that the more haunting music is Lori's theme. That's mm-hmm. just that's just me. It's probably just me, but that's just how I feel about it. I feel that. I love it. All right, so it's <clears throat> not necessarily all written by John Carpenter either. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the Hill. time, there was a woman named Deborah Hill. Uh, I'm sure we all know her name. Mm-hmm. She was actually the girlfriend of John Carpenter at the time, but she told him that she should write part of it. So John Carpenter actually wrote the parts 
of Dr. Loomis and Michael Myers when Deborah Hill wrote the babysitter stuff. So all of Jamie Lee Curtis, all of Annie Brackett, all of that, mm-hmm. and all of that stuff was written by Deborah Hill. And I think personally that that was one of the best decisions that they made because you have a woman writing the women and you have a man yeah. writing the men. And that you, it captures that in the movie. Like you capture what women at the time were maybe thinking or talking mm-hmm. or, um, and you capture what John Carpenter was thinking at the time, you know, like, right. Yeah, and what he thought maybe was scary at the time. And, uh, I think that really added to, to the film personally. Mm-hmm. Linda's like, last name is real yeah. weird. Sorry, I just want to interject that. You know, like, yeah. do you know Linda's last name? I'm pretty sure it's Vanderclock. I don't know. I'm really curious if somebody has a related, like a like a relative with that last name. But I'm pretty sure her last name is Vanderclock. Whose last name is Vanderclock? Linda. Linda. Oh, Linda. Uh, mm-hmm. God damn it! What's her name? whatever <laughs> like I, I know who you're talking about linda it's 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 Lori, annie and linda yes mm-hmm. yeah linda. linda's last name is totally vanderclock i'm you know you serious yeah i know like Lori strode <laughs> annie brackett linda vanderclock, vanderclock. Do, you, do you think that like they just invented that name, like while they were like writing it. They were like, "Oh, we need Linda to have a name." Yeah, in case she's going to be what crazy. a fucking evil villain. Like, say, like Vanderclock makes me think of like Victor Von Doom from the Fantastic Four. <laughs> the biggest <laughs> move I feel. Like. Totally. Like back on the writing thing that you were saying here a second ago, like from the female perspective and everything, kind of like how I was thinking in the scenes, like when Lori is trying to save Lindsay and Tommy and all of that, like the females protecting and nurturing over the children and wanting the children to be safe before herself being the motherly figure at that time and like pushing her own safety needs aside just to make sure the children were okay. So knowing now that Deborah wrote those parts, that kind of shows a lot more, like, and explains, like, what sometimes, like, how women have that innate kind of thing to be like, I'm going to protect if someone is here that I'm supposed to protect. I'm going to protect them, and then I'm going to look at my own safety. Because I know in my job, that's kind of how I am. Because I take care of teenage boys so i'm just like as long as they're safe i will check on my safety here in a second i just want them to be okay so knowing that that's kind of like the perception of how deborah saw that character of like and the characters of the babysitters in a way knowing that they're just like i know that i'm supposed to take care of these children their safety is of the most importance right now, as opposed to my own, even though they're the ones who are like fully being threatened, especially right. Lori. So, yeah, yeah. Like 
but respect because Deborah Hill added so much to a franchise that is defined uh, an entire subgenre of horror. You know, she was um, the hand. She was the hand at the beginning of the movie. She was. Exactly. Yeah, she was. Yeah. And actually, sometimes yeah. she was actually in the mask a couple times. Oh. Yeah. yeah right. Exactly. I agree with that. Fun fact about Halloween 2. You know, like, there's a Mexican Budweiser commercial that's just about how John Carpenter drank while he was writing Halloween 2. <laughs> Crazy shit. Like, the commercial... Is just it has a quote from John Carpenter. It was just like something to the effect of, "I just had a few buds," and essentially, like when he wrote Halloween Two, he did it drunken, you know, drunkenly. He he drunkenly wrote Halloween Two because he fucking didn't want to do it, he but he did it. <laughs> exactly, like he, he he decided that like. He didn't want to do it, but if anybody was going to do it, it was going to be him, right? right. Like, it was going to be him and nobody else yeah. because he wanted to – he was the one who decided if there's going to be a Halloween 2, it's going to take place on the same night as Halloween 1. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the only way he could see in his head it going forward. Yeah. Like, I know they got uh, – like oh, like the- I'm sorry. Thing. No, you're good, you're good. Like, at some point, I know that there was talk of it, like, taking place where Lori was, like, in a high-rise or something, and it was, yes. like, years later. Yep, in the city. And then it's just like, nah, same night. Continue um, it. I know Carpenter wanted, um, he, he wanted uh, Tommy Lee Wallace to direct the second one, and I, I don't remember why, but I know it went to Rick Rosenthal, who, you know, directed Resurrection later. Um, and then Tommy Lee Wallace ended up directed three um but uh i i mean i, I really like two don't get me wrong like it's it's a yeah, i just watched it it's a fun solid sequel i love it i love halloween two. i feel like if i wanted to watch halloween two, i could just watch halloween like mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's it's so close in tone and feeling for me that like i could just watch halloween right like I have to watch Halloween two if I want like the continuation of Lori because like after after two you don't get any Lori Strode right exactly. that original timeline and that's kind of one of the disappointing things like Jamie Lee Curtis went on to do bigger things oh yes and um, we don't see her until H two O and mm-hmm. I think that really that really should have like influenced how they made the movies and i think four took into consideration that and four created a new timeline and five didn't follow it and mm-hmm. that's the problem five is a clusterfuck and i fucking <laughs> it really is hate it it's six it's a cluster six is a clusterfuck because five is exactly you know, maybe you might have this factoid, and I'm actually really curious if it's true, but I feel like this is coming from, uh, like, old brain information. So, I'm aware that they they pitched a million different I- ideas for Halloween 6 because they were like, wow, Halloween 5 was a shit show. I am under the impression in Halloween 6, when much older, not... Danielle Harris, Jamie Lloyd, 
goes to the bus station to try to escape that the radio station is kind of taking phone calls, how they feel about Michael Myers. And they all kind of talk about different ideas that Michael Myers is a government experiment, that Michael Myers was from space or something like that. I'm under the impression that those are failed ideas for the next Halloween. That Those were all failed ideas for Halloween 6. And they decided to take those ideas and make them – to where callers were calling in, giving their theories about him, which I feel like is a very innovative way to go about that. But uh, uh, don't quote me on that or anything. But I'm, I really think that that's a thing. I need to look it up. But I'm, I'm going to go ahead and thank Six uh, <laughs> for uh, Paul Rudd. Oh yes, I was just about to say, literally, because right as I was watching it, I have in my notes over here my first thought about this movie: Holy shit, that's Ant Man. Yeah, yeah, like. You know, you know, it's just introducing Paul Rudd. So, you know, the director, despite not liking the Halloween movies, which I right. think is a problem, I will say he cast Paul Rudd. And Paul Rudd ends up becoming a treasure, I will say. A treasure to us all. <laughs> you know, not, not a national treasure, an international treasure. Exactly. Like, Credited he as is. Paul Stephen Rudd. Exactly. In the- <laughs> name. Like, yeah. I love how they included his middle name in there. Yeah, and it's nowhere else that I know of. No, I don't know it either. I don't even think it's clueless. It was credited as Paul Stephen. It should have been. Paul S. Rudd sounds good, but why just why credit him as Paul Stephen Rudd? So, like, mm-hmm. go ahead. Oh, like I was saying how, like, my first thought was, holy shit, that's Ant-Man. And then I was like, wait a damn minute. My actual first thought was, I'm scared of pregnant women for this exact reason. (laughs) For this exact reason and this exact reason only, the opening of Halloween 6. That some cult of white people are going to, like, take (laughs) some weird, weird sacrifice with them. That's so many movies. Mother, Rosemary's Baby, just everything. <laughs> Halloween Six. Imagine if Jamie never had it easy. Was like in the island, the Summer Isle, where the Wicker Man took place. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, it's like pregnant women beware. Do not give birth to a strode. <laughs> do not do it. <laughs> so, you know. John Carpenter's career before Halloween is uh, not known to a lot of people, but he made a couple of cult films. Um, one of which is Captain Voyeur. Have you heard of that? Hmm. Captain Voyeur? I'm not. Fa- I'm not familiar with that. No. Captain yeah. Voyeur is basically if you take Halloween and Rear Window and put it together. Hmm. Huh. So that's the mood. I haven't seen his first movie, um, the well, not Star Man, Jesus Christ, Dark Star. Not seen Dark his Star. first. Yep, not seen it. He but made, I, I love. He made that. He yeah, he made that as his first short film. So you can imagine Carpenter like, go ahead, go ahead. I was, I was gonna say I know Michael Myers is named after the the guy who made Assault on Precinct Thirteen famous. His uh, English publicist or whatever the hell for the movie that got him known. I know that. 
Apparently, uh, there's like a thousand people named Mike Myers. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yeah, you are correct. I will link to that. He is the distributor for Halloween, too, and Captain Voyeur. He's one of the first people to ever believe in John Carpenter. I saw that face, by the way. <laughs> Ooh, oh, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. This is a podcast. We can't see each other. Goodness gracious. Oh, we might oh, make it heck. a stream. You don't know. <laughs> heck. Um, My cat. But, I can bamboozle yeah. that audience there. I'll tell you that much. Mike Myers. Michael Myers is a well-known, quote-unquote, in England, producer and distributor. And... Like you said, he distributed some of Carpenter's first films. I had that written down. Thank you for going ahead and saying that. <laughs> no worries. Um, and he's involved in Halloween, actually. Like, he is part of the influence that got Carpenter the budget and got Carpenter the distribution of Halloween. And how does John Carpenter repay that guy? By making him the villain. <laughs> what a what a thing uh, to do. What a thing to do. Um Yeah, but uh but I love I love that you were talking about tropes a, a bit earlier and I, I love that it's it's funny because I, I I do feel like Black Christmas invented the tropes but no one saw Black Christmas when it came out. It like it was not no, I mean, I think that's because it was done in Canada. I'm almost positive because it was a Canadian release. It didn't get wide distribution. No one saw it because it did, you know, it came out in 74. And then it yeah. did like the, mm-hmm. you never saw the killer. He, he stalks young girls, um, POV shots, um, you know, killing with a foul. <laughs> I don't know if you. How phallic is like the horn, like a giant horn from a glass unicorn? One thing I really like, um, well, within the first one, I was on Reddit a little bit ago, and it was like all kind of like before, like the the culty type stuff kicked in with a lot of the other films and everything. Yeah. So what one of the users said. Um, his name's Jay Dixon, 76. He said, I think a realistic explanation would be Michael's lack of human emotion. If you're missing emotions such as compassion, sympathy, and a sense of right and wrong, then there's nothing psychologically holding you back from using your full strength. Because I was like, you know what? Why do you think that Michael Myers is so strong the way that he is? Oh, that's um, a good, that's a good aside question. Aside from all of that. And it says, I mean, you could take your finger and break it backwards on your hand, but there are plenty of mental barriers that prevent you from doing that. So Michael doesn't have any of those barriers. That's what makes him so powerful as opposed to like, especially within the first one, because there's like no usage of like the supernatural per se, kind of like culty type stuff used in the first one. So it's just this dude with superhuman strength who can literally like pin a dude to a wall with a knife. See, I agree with, um, I agree with, you know, being emotionless. I, I like to just the, my favorite idea about Michael Myers, um, the shape 
is so powerful. I just I, I always adhere to the idea of that I like him as seen as an idea, like uh, a force of nature. Um, the just the the interpretation of the boogeyman, a, a literal force. If you if you wrap if you took evil and wrapped it in skin, um, and that you know you set it on its way that's why it can't die because evil can't die and it's just Mm -hmm. the literal embodiment of of evil so i know that's well if i guess if we're looking for like legit i legit reasons as to why like you know physically i've heard the tag of you know autism um what you were saying too um i've i've heard that i just i guess i like without making it too supernatural just him as the idea of he is the actual boogie. Oh my god, I said Oogie Boogie Man. He is the actual <laughs> boogie man. You can't, you can't, you know, the the sentence of you can't kill the boogie man. Like that's that is a thing. He's you can't kill evil. You can do whatever you want to it, except you know, um, uh, what's his face? Uh, uh, oh my god, the fucking dude, the guy, you know the. The fucking producer, the, the what's his face? The, the you Mustafa. know he died. Mustafa? Yeah, Mustafa Khan. Yes, I'm drunk. I can't think of names. Damn, he was he, like, this he's like, punch. you can't, you can't <laughs> cut his head off. You know, you know, like that was his role. He's like, you can't blow him up or cut his head off. And uh, <laughs> that's my impression of him. But you know, but like you can't top tier. You can't kill evil. That's why he can't die. I just, I think it's very simple. I think that. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure that's what John Carpenter was going for. Like he's, it, you know, the whole thing's like a metaphor. It's like he can't, I can't yeah. believe. Yeah, um, but I think it is fun thinking about the ways of why scientifically he's able to withstand so much damage and and mm-hmm. uh, do the things that he does, though for sure. The farther the the uh, franchise goes, the more they try really hard to explain why he keeps oh, coming yeah. back. Right. Yes. Like, oh, yeah. In the first movie, I get the explanation from Loomis. Like he's simply pure evil. Yes. Yeah. He's, he, like going back to what you just said, he's evil in a shape. Right. The shape. The evil. So I don't need an explanation. I can just watch the movie knowing that it's evil coming after everybody. That's why I'm not a fan of zombies. Evil and death. We'll get to that because I am a fan of zombies, but we'll get to that. I'd you know, oh, okay, let me correct. I'm a fan of zombies, number one. Number two is the worst Halloween movie ever made. Over Resurrection, which I loathe. I do not like I them. think Resurrection was way before its time with live streaming. God damn it. If they did that concept now, people would get it up. Alright, so <clears throat> We are running out of time. So let's go into talking about what our next episode's going to be. And as these episodes go, the smoother they'll get, and the more we'll get used to doing what we're doing. And we hope our audience just sticks with us as we learn this whole process and what is essentially an art, right? Like mm-hmm. podcasting is an art. No one how to talk without, you know, having someone cut constantly like in filmmaking is an art. So let's go into who is our next mandate. And our next mandate is next month in November, Chantley. 
So, yes, uh, the next little bit that we're going to be going with is women in horror, because, you know, strong female leads, strong female filmmakers, always a great topic to touch on. So we're going to be talking about stuff kind of like, you know, Hush, Ginger Snaps, and a lot of other different films that are um, female based and also female directed, female written, like The Babadook and stuff along those lines. So be sure to come back for that for sure all right and um with that we're gonna go ahead and end this episode and we will see you next month on november 31st Woo-woo. all right bye everybody goodbye bye-bye wait does november have a 31st it's only 30 days <laughs> you know we tr- we're trying to trade don't to our mind we're trying to trick everybody <laughs> april fools like wait hold up no, 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 okay, it'll be November 30th. I'm apparently just, you know. We're doing it from the dimension that has the November 31st. I was about to say, we're in a different dimension now. Is that it's dimension a better timeline than the one we're in? Can we go? I, hope, I wish. I so. But uh, anyway, yes. Colonel Sanders never died. On November 30th. Yeah. November 30th is when we will have our next episode. Yes. This podcast is made by and for horror fans just like you. Music by Aaron Burcham.